Turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to do some teaching here this morning on a subject I've been feeling for several days. And in fact, I felt it so strong, I, I, I considered... I considered swapping with whoever's on the schedule for tonight and preaching tonight when I got everybody here. But but I, after praying about it, thinking about it, felt like this was the time and the place. And so uh, hopefully our Sunday school staff and, and um, those of you who are parents and or spouses of Sunday school staff, would you encourage them to listen? They can go online. It'll be uploaded as soon as service is over, right? And so it'll be available this afternoon. They can go in and listen this afternoon and, uh, and hopefully come back tonight putting it all into practice. Praise God. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. When he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? Now that's a question that we need to consider. Of course, we know Jesus was able. But Jesus wanted to know if they knew he was able. And if they believed that he was able. And he wanted them to state that belief. There is something about saying it. Well... Verse 29, or I'm sorry, we didn't finish. Believe you that I'm able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Now we believe it. And then, verse 29, Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. I want to do some teaching this morning on the elements of faith. The elements of faith. Amen. Why don't we put our Bibles down? Let's lift our hands, lift our voices. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us today. Everybody, let's talk to the Lord together. your servant today. God, as I break the bread of life, I ask, oh Lord God, that you grant me strength. I ask that you touch the hearts, the minds of those that are here. Speak, oh God, today from the pages of your word. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's praise him together, everybody. Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord.
Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, as I get started today, I want to just remind you something that I have said over and over and over as I have taught from the Word of the Lord. It's found in Isaiah 28, verse number 10. Isaiah 28 and verse 10 says this. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. I'm going to tell you everything that we know and understand about the Word of God has got to be built in this way. It's got to be precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. This is one of the biggest mistakes that people make in trying to interpret the scripture. Is they'll pull one verse out of the Bible and build their doctrine on that verse. But that verse, the way they're interpreting it, is not built on any other Bible precepts. I was talking to someone the other day and trying to walk them through the plan of salvation. And they said, well, what about John 3.16? I said, well, let's look at John 3.16. First of all, you can't jump down here to the middle of this chapter and think that you're going to get a clear understanding of the conversation. You can't get to verse 16 until you've read verses 3 through 5. And so in verses 3 through 5, Jesus states that you have to be born again or you can't even see the kingdom of God. He then explains that being born again means you've got to be born of water and spirit. And that if you don't do those things, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, he's not going to come along 11 verses later and say, Oh, I didn't mean any of that. All you got to do is believe. You cannot properly interpret verse 16 unless you do it line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And even when you get to that word believe, all you've got to do is skip over another couple of chapters and find where Jesus speaks about believing as the scripture has said. And he said when you believe the way the scripture says, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. So, so there is a clear, clear doctrine in the Word of God if you'll do it precept upon precept, line upon line. There's no confusion. There's no contradiction. But you've got to do it the right way. And so when we talk about faith, faith is a broad subject. And it's a subject that you hear a lot about today. And so what we want to do today is we want to look at this subject precept upon precept and line upon line. And we want to learn some things from the Word of God 
based upon that method of interpretation. Is everybody with me here today? So we want to talk about some precepts regarding faith. First of all, I, I think that we have got to recognize and realize that God not only wants us to have faith, God expects us to have faith. Jesus once expressed his concern that he might not find faith on the earth when he comes back. Listen to Luke 18, verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Now, I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm telling you, God will take care of his people. But what I hear in this follow-up question, having preached for many years, having taught for many years, I know what it's like to make a statement and feel this wall. This doubt that just comes right back at you. And you make a statement and boom, you recognize they didn't believe that. And I believe that's exactly what's going on here. Jesus said, I tell you, I am clearly stating God's going to take care of his people. And he no sooner gets that out of his mouth until he says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, is he going to find faith on the earth? Is he going to find anybody that's going to believe what's being said? Listen, saints, I want to tell you, there is a huge problem in the conservative apostolic movement. To, to the people of God, to the members of the truth church, I believe that the overwhelming majority of you if I got up and told you, I think this is what we need to do, and here are the scriptures, and I think we need to make this change because of these Bible principles, I have no doubt the overwhelming majority of this church would just line right up. And for most solid apostolic churches, that's the way it is. But I will tell you, there is a chink in our armor. We struggle with faith. That's the truth. We, we, we can believe all these other things that we're preaching. If I were to teach on the Godhead today, we'd be on our feet. If I were to teach on separation today, you'd be on your feet. But when I get to faith, something happens. And there seems to be a disconnect. Oh, I'm struggling in that area. Well, look, don't we struggle in a lot of areas? But why is it that we magnify this struggle above every other struggle we have? 
God expects us to have faith. And he's concerned that when he comes, look, he didn't say, he said, when the Son of Man cometh, he didn't say, will he find tongue talkers on the earth? Will he find worshipers on the earth? Will he find holiness on the earth? He didn't say any of that. He, he, he doesn't have any question about whether or not any of that's going to be around. But he is concerned when he comes back. Will his people still believe him? Will they still have faith? Listen to me, church. We've, we've had great promises made to us that God was going to exceed Azusa Street. God's going to exceed what happened in the Brush Arbor meetings. But listen to me. The reason those things happen is because people believed that God would do it. They just had faith. And God wants us to have that kind of faith as well. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, listen to this. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. All right, now, we read that whole verse, but I want you to pay attention to what's being said. Start again. But, faith, but without faith, without faith, it is impossible. It is, it is impossible, impossible to please him. Do, do we understand the significance of that statement? Do we really grasp the magnitude of what the inspired apostle just said? Without faith, we have no hope of pleasing God. It can't be done. Read on. For he that cometh, he that to, God cometh to God must wait, believe. Wait, wait, wait. He that cometh to God must. Must. Everyone say must. must. No exceptions there. He that cometh to God must believe that he is that he is and that and that he is that he is a rewarder, rewarder of them that diligently seek him now we got no problem believing he is where our struggle is our struggle is that we have a hard time believing he'll reward us when we diligently seek him Come on, let's be honest. We have a hard time believing that when we ask God, he's really going to come through. For whatever reason. It's not that we doubt God so much. Usually it's that we doubt ourselves. But in doubting ourselves, we don't realize that translates into doubting God. We say, I'm not worthy for him to do it. I'm not. But the Bible doesn't say you have to be worthy. And so whatever stipulation you put upon your faith, what you don't realize is you're really doubting God in the end. I've said this over and over. We talked about this. In fact, when we were telling the stories 
at SOAR conference during the panel discussion, I made mention of the fact that I watched a sinner man, a sinner man who had no intention of living for God. That was proven because he left that service, ended up in prison again, years later, still not serving God. But God performed a phenomenal miracle in allowing one leg that was several inches shorter than the other to grow to the length of the good leg. Now that's a phenomenal, notable miracle. And God did it for a sinner who had no intention of living for him. And yet here we are, saints of God, that are trying our best, and the devil's got us convinced God won't do it for you. Because look at this. You slipped up here. You made a mistake there. You, you're not praying like you ought to. You're not fasting like God's not going to do it for you. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about whether or not God has the integrity to keep his word. Well, praise God. It's about whether or not God is honest. If God says he'll do something, the question is not, well, am I worthy of him doing it? The question is, will he do it? That's a yes or no question. Will he do it? Will he do it? Now, there are some things that God put stipulations on. I'll grant you that. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. But that's not talking about healing you. That's talking about turning a nation around. There are stipulations there. But you show me the stipulation on your healing. I challenge you today to find any verse in the Bible that says you have to do something or you have to be good enough for God to heal you. I challenge you to find any verse in the Bible that says that you've got to meet certain qualifications other than repentance and faith to receive the Holy Ghost. You don't have to get good enough to receive the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that makes you good. So as long as you've got it in your mind that you've got to reach a certain place before God will do it for you, you'll never reach that place. You've got to just understand that he said he would do it. And then he's going to help me reach this place I think I need to be after he does that. After he fills me, then he'll help me become what I need to be. It's all about trusting God. So principle number one is just that God expects us to have faith. That's principle number one. He expects it out of us. Principle number two is that all things 
Everyone say all things. All things are possible with God. Matthew 19, verse 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. With God, how many things? All. How many things? All. How many things? All. What are you needing today? What are you needing today? Can we have church this morning? Is, is, it, is it legal and lawful to have apostolic church on a Sunday morning? Or do we have to wait for a Sunday night service? Can people get healed on a Sunday morning? Can people find deliverance on a Sunday morning? Can people see miracles happen on a Sunday morning? I don't read where anything's relegated to Sunday night service. All things. All things. All things. I feel a Wayne McLean spirit coming on me right now. I've mentioned this in the past, but he was preaching on faith one night, and he started talking about where the Bible said that God shall do it. And, and I, remember, I remember so clearly in my mind he was trying to stress the positive nature of that. And he said, shall, 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 shall. That's the way I'm feeling right now. When I'm telling you all things, 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 all things. Are you sick in body? All things. You got a lost loved one? All things. You got a financial dilemma? All things. I want somebody to get a hold of this. All things are possible. You can't come up with a situation that's too difficult for God. You can't find yourself in a dilemma that's too problematic for the God that I serve. All things, all things, all things, all things, all things. Opening blinded eyes, unstopping deaf ears. Healing the lame. Raising the dead. All things. All things. All things. All right, preacher, you've said it. Yeah, I'm going to say it again. All things. In fact, I'm going to say it again. All things. All right, I'm starting to feel it build a little bit. All things. 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 Whatever your situation. It's possible with God. It's possible with God. It's possible with God. Don't tell me God can't fill this house tonight. All things are possible.
don't tell me God can't fill 10 people with the Holy Ghost tonight. All things are possible. Don't tell me we can't be in a new building within a year. Come on, somebody. All things, all things, all things, all things, all things, all things, all things. Oh, I feel some doubt trying to hit me right now. I kind of, I kind of feel what I think Jesus felt. I'll just say it again. All things, all things, all things. Oh, spirit of doubt, hear me today. All things are possible with God. My God is big enough, strong enough, wise enough. All things, all things, all things, all things, all things. Oh, hallelujah. Ephesians 3 and 20. Just how strong is this God of ours? Now unto him that now is able, him that's able to do exceedingly, to do exceeding, exceeding abundantly, abundantly above, all above all that we ask, that we or, ask think, or think according, according, to, the according to the power that, that worketh, worketh in, in us. us. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above everything that we can ask or think. I'm not going to take the time to go through and tell the story. I've told it many times. I'll try to find a message where I told it if you haven't heard it. But, but I'm just going to tell you sometime back, God really opened my eyes to the meaning of this verse of Scripture. And, 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 and the only way you really understand it, you've got to start at the end because of all the superlatives and all the things that are in there. You've you got to start at the end to really comprehend just what he's saying here when you're talking about what God's able to do unto him that's able. He's able. He's able. Everyone say he's able. He's able. Everyone say he's able. What's he able to do? What is he able to do? Well, you go, you go to the very last of all of this. He is able to do all that we ask or think. So, so let's look at that for a minute. In fact, let me issue the challenge again, as I've done many times. Right now, sitting in this service, right now, I want you, in your mind, to ask God for something you need. Is there something you need? I want you to ask God right now in your mind. Got it? Everybody there? You got it? All right. I want to tell you, whatever you ask him to do, according to Ephesians 3 and 20, he's able to do what you just asked him to do. Now, that should have gotten a better response than that. He's able to do whatever you ask him to do. So whatever it was. Whatever you just ask God for, my God has the ability to do that. But let me tell you something. He not only has the ability to do what we ask. There have been times that I didn't really know how to put things into words. I, I had the concept in my mind, but I didn't know really how to say it. Well, the Bible says if you can think it, 
he's able to do it. You can't even come up with something in your mind that's too hard for God. He's able to do whatever we ask or think. All right, so you know what you've asked God to do, right? Now let's keep backing up because the Bible says that he's able to do above what we ask or think. So whatever, whatever, just get the visual, visualization here. Whatever you have asked him to do is down on this level, floor level here. This is what you've asked God to do this morning. But the Bible says that God is not only able to do what you ask him, he's able to do above that. God's power can go a step higher than what you can even ask him to do. So what you just asked God for what would it be like if God answered it, but he answered above? What you just asked. What if he went above that and did more than what you just asked? I'm here to tell you, my God is able to do above what we ask or think. But it doesn't stop there. We keep going backwards. He's able to do abundantly above what you ask or think. So whatever it was that you had in your mind earlier, God is not only able to do that, he's able to go above that. He's able to go abundantly above that. Now, what would it look like if God stepped in and answered your prayer, but he not only answered it the way you ask it, he went abundantly above what you just asked him to do. I'm telling you, God's able to do abundantly above. But we're not finished yet. I got to find something that's stable enough. Because the Bible says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what you can ask or think. God can go so much farther than what you were even thinking earlier. I'm telling you, you didn't even get in God's ballpark. You were in the, the, the kiddie pool while God's given you an ocean of promises. Hallelujah. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what you can ask or think. Somebody said the sky is the limit. No, not with God. The sky is not even the limit. 
With God, he exceeds the sky. The universe is not the limit. With God, he exceeds the universe. I'm here to try to help somebody today. I can't, and, and I've got lots of notes, but I don't care if I don't get, I don't care if this becomes a one-month series. I don't care what it takes. I just want somebody to understand today that my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above. That's why he said all things, all things, all things, all things, all things, all things, all things. You got a loved one you need saved? I want to tell you, God's not only able to save that loved one, God's able to save their loved ones. Well, I've heard of folks getting prayer for heart disease and then going in and the doctor not just saying your heart's fine but saying you got the heart of a 16 year old something's happened I want to tell you what happened God went exceeding abundantly above what they asked for Saints of God, I hope that somehow we get a hold of this today. I'm going to tell you, the devil, the devil wants to steal our faith. He knows that for most of us, he'll never steal our holiness. He knows for most of us, he'll never steal our worship. But if he can steal our faith, then we're never going to live in the realm God wants us to live in. God is looking for some folks that will reach out and believe him. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. My pastor used to talk about stepping out on a limb. Amen. He'd step out on a limb many nights. He'd tell him what God's going to do. Tell him how God's going to heal. God's going to fill. God would always show up, and he'd always do it. I want to tell you, we need to believe that same God has that same power. In fact, I preached to you some months back, his power really just keeps exceeding itself. So it's not just that same power. I'm telling you, God's greater today than he was 25 years ago when those promises were made to this church. God's greater today. God's greater today than he was in the brush arbor. God's greater today than he was at Azusa Street. We're just not seeing it because we don't believe it. But I pray that somebody gets some faith. I pray somebody. Oh, help us, Jesus. Believest thou that I am able to do this? Believest thou that I am able to do this? Those blind men said, 
Yea, Lord. We believe. We believe. God's looking for somebody at the Truth Church on this Sunday morning. God's looking for somebody to say, Yea, Lord, I believe. Yea, Lord, I believe. I believe. I believe. Believe for it. Believe for it. Believe for it. So that prayer that you prayed earlier, if God did it, that'd be wonderful. But what would it look like if God went above that? And what would it look like if God went abundantly above that? And what would it look like if God went exceeding abundantly above what you've asked him? I said I wasn't going to tell this story. I apologize. I've changed my mind. I just feel like spending a few minutes here on this exceeding abundantly above. So those of you that have heard it before, you're just going to have to bear with me and hear it again. Come on now. The first time that I, that I preached this was many years ago. I felt like, not, not this lesson, but about Ephesians 3.20, exceeding abundantly above. First time I taught on that verse the way that I just taught it to you was in my very first pastorate in northeast Texas. I had two small children at the time. Andrea, my middleborn, um, then was, when we moved there, was literally just a few weeks old. Um, in fact, we were waiting on her to be born in order to move. We'd already been elected as pastor. Uh, we just, it was too late in the pregnancy to change doctors. Uh, we, we thought it was, and so we wanted to stick around where we were until the baby came. So, so that's how young she was. My oldest was about three years old at the time. And so these are young children. We were living in a 12 by 52 mobile home. Now, if you know anything about mobile homes, you know that that 52 is actually the length of the frame, which includes the, the tongue of the trailer that that mobile home sits on, which is four feet. So when they say it's 12 by 52, the actual house is 12 feet wide and 48 feet long. That's not very big. 12 feet wide is not very wide. I almost got that wide myself before. No, not. Felt like I was getting close anyhow. Um, 12 by 52. And it was an abandoned mobile home. This, it does get cold down there. Um. And, and there were times during the winter that we would have ice inside the doors, inside the windows. And the only heat that we could generate would be to turn on the gas stove 
the oven. And when you've got young kids there, that's not a very safe habitat. Uh, but we didn't have any choice. Is that or freeze? Now, I'm going to tell you, I didn't mind it a bit. And that's the truth. I didn't even think about how bad it was. I was just thrilled to be a pastor. I was 24 years old, pastoring my first church. I was thrilled. I wasn't thinking about the safety of the kids at that point. I wasn't thinking about the comfort of my wife. And my wife never complained, but she knew it was not a good situation. She never complained about it. But that night when I taught on it, after service, we got in the car and we were going to drive to the next town to eat because that little town, there were 1,300 people in that town. And um, they rolled up the sidewalk, singular. Uh, we had to drive about 20 miles to find a town that would have anything open. And um, so we got in the car to go find something to eat. And we were on the road, and my wife looked at me, and she said, I want to tell you what I asked God for tonight. And I said, okay, tell me. She said, well, you know this place we're living in is really not safe for our kids, and it's, it's, just, not, it's just not a good situation for us to be in. And she said, so I asked the Lord to give us a better mobile home to live in. Well, I just preach faith to the church. So I very smugly said to her, God can do that. She said, and then you said that God was able to do above that. And I said, God, make it a double wide. I said, um, not feeling quite so smug at this point, you understand. I said, God can do that. She said, and then you said that God was able to do abundantly above what we ask or think. And she said, I told the Lord, said, just make it a brand new one. I said, um, <clears throat> God can do that. She said, and then you said that God could do exceeding abundantly above whatever we ask or think. And she said, I said, God, forget this trailer stuff. I want a house. I said, honey, faith is one thing. It takes money to buy a house. We don't have any money. I said, there's points, there's closing costs, there's, we don't have it. And she looked at me and she said, you said 
God is able to do exceeding abundantly above whatever we ask or think. Well, how do you argue with yourself? I think it was two weeks later that my phone rang. And a voice on the other end of the line said, Mr. Riggin, I'm so-and-so from this insurance company. Said, you had a wreck some months back, and we've been going through our files and just realized that there's some things that we haven't taken care of that we've, we've got to close this account out, and we'll be calling you back in just a little while to settle this. And I said, okay. So I hung up, and I said, what did that mean? Now, remember, I'm 24 years old. I had never dealt with anything like this, and I... I said, what did that mean? So we had a lady in our church that was an insurance agent, so I called her and I said, Jan, tell me, what they said that they're calling me to settle on this car wreck we had. What, what do they mean by that? And she said, oh, she said, there's probably some hospital bills and some things that you're going to have to pay. And she said, you probably ought to be ready to pay a pretty good sum to take care of all this. And I said, oh. So I told my wife, I said, I don't know how we're going to do this, but they're going to expect some money out of us. I don't have any money. don't know what we're going to do. So a little while the phone rang again, and they said, this is so-and-so calling you back from the insurance company. We've looked through the numbers and said, we're prepared to offer you $1,300. Now, I know now I should have negotiated. So don't even waste my time telling me, oh, you could have gotten so much more. I know that now. I want you to understand this is a 24-year-old mind thinking I've got to pay them. And suddenly they call me and say, I'm going to send you a check. I said, I'll take it. She said, you'll accept that amount? I said, yes. She said, okay. It was that simple. So I had a check for $1,300 coming to me. That was a year's wages. No, no, not really. Not really. It was just about a month's wages. Um, no, it was probably more than that, thinking about it, what was coming in there. But anyhow, it, it was a lot of money to a 24-year-old that didn't have any, was living in a broken-down trailer. And so when I found out that was coming, I said, Honey... It's time to go trailer shopping. We're going to find us a mobile home. So we did. We hit every mobile home lot in that area. They hated to see me come because I would go. We'd walk through it. I'd say, boy, this is beautiful. I love this. Well, what can we do? What kind of? And I'd say, you know, it just doesn't feel right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go look somewhere else. And I'd walk off that lot without buying anything, and we'd move on to the next one. They all knew me. I'd been to every lot. I just couldn't feel good about any of them. But I was determined we're going to get us a nice mobile home, finally have a nice place to live. And one day we're coming home from mobile home shopping, and as I pull into the city limits of town, I just happened to look down the side street, and I saw a for sale sign out in the yard. And I said, hey, wait a minute. Let's, let's just go down here. And I, we, we pulled down that street, and... There was a for sale sign in front of a nice little frame house. And there was a lady backing out of the driveway just as we were pulling up. And so I stopped and she stopped and I got out of the car and I said, is this your house? She said, yes, sir, it is. I said, is it still for sale? She said, well, it is. 
She said, it's been on the market for quite a while. She said, um, in fact, I'll just be honest with you, we, we, we'd already bought a house. We've been making payments on our new house, and we're still making payments on this because we hadn't been able to sell it. And she said, so we finally talked to a friend to get him to just move in and rent it from us because we can't afford to keep making two payments. And I said, well, can we look at it? She said, yeah. So she took us on tour through the house, nice little house, nothing fancy, but it was a nice, much better than what we were living in, I promise you that. And um, so I said, well, what, how much do you, she said, I don't even know. She said, but I tell you, she said, my husband works shift work but he just happens to be home right now. And she said, if you want to follow me to our house, you can talk to him about what it'll take to buy the house. I said, okay, well, it won't hurt to go talk. So we drove over there, and, and he told me the same story. We are desperate to get rid of this house. He said, I'll, I'll sell it. I'll sell it for $26,000. He said, and I, have you ever owned a home before? I said, no, never. He said, I just heard on the radio today that the government is offering a special program to first-time homeowners that requires 5% down. He said, I am so desperate to sell this house. He said, I'll pay all the points. I'll pay all the closing costs. He said, if you can somehow come up with $1,300, you can buy this house. Well, hallelujah. I'm here to tell you God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think. I want somebody to get a hold of this today. I want somebody to understand this today, that there's nothing too hard for my God to do. There's nothing beyond God's ability. Come on, somebody. Whatever you ask is no different than God than my wife asking God for a better trailer house. I'm telling you, when you prayed that prayer, it's the same God. He's got the same power. He still answers prayer. And he gave us exceeding abundantly above what she asked for. And he'll do it for you. If you'll just believe it. If you'll just believe it. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm thankful. I thought, I thought the night I taught that, I thought I really had a lot of faith. I found out during that discussion afterwards, I didn't have as much faith as I thought I did. But I'm thankful that my precious wife had faith. She believed it. And, I, you know, it's, when I think back, that's pretty amazing because it was, it, it, I'm sure it was obvious to her that the man who preached it was now having second thoughts. For a lot of folks, that would have destroyed their faith. But she believed it. And God honored it. Which brings us to principle number three. Let's read Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 27. This is a lengthy reading. Mark 9, verses 14 through 27. Read for me. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. 
and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, they were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitudes answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee thy son, my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Now, and, don't, don't, don't misread that now. <clears throat> There's probably every parent has thought that at times, but the word here is actually mute. <laughs> Come on now, be honest. None of you are wanting to say anything. Nobody's wanting to say amen, but there have been times your kids have done things and you thought they must have a dumb spirit. All right, thank you, Brother Jerry, at least for being honest. And we won't say that it was about the son that's sitting here today. We'll think it's one of, or the daughter that's sitting here today. We'll say it's one of those that's gone on. And so uh, we, won't, we won't name any names. Hallelujah. But that's not what this means. It means a mute spirit, all right? He couldn't speak. All right, read on. I'm sorry. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and foameth, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth. And pineth away, and I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? O faithless generation. Do you see how it strikes the heart of God when people don't believe? Now what was just said? What was just stated before Jesus said this? That this man, this man said, I, I took him to your disciples and they couldn't cast this devil out. And Jesus said, oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? And how long shall I suffer you or tolerate you? How long do I have to put up with this? God is, is obviously, God in flesh is obviously impacted by the lack of faith. Read. Bring him unto me. Bring him to me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Now, Look, I, I don't want to get sidetracked. This really doesn't have anything to do with faith. But I think it needs to be pointed out. Do you understand they're bringing this boy to Jesus? They're about to see a great miracle. Great things are about to happen. And the devil starts showing out. Right. Yes, he does. Right? They brought the boy to Jesus. When he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. That spirit went bonkers. Because he knew what was about to happen. The spirit understood. Listen. Many times, saints of God, because we are so confined to our human nature, we don't even understand what's going on around us in the spiritual realm. But spirits understand the spiritual realm. Right. Yes, sir. 
And we may be oblivious to what's going on, but they're not. And listen to me. I've had people say, I don't understand. I really, I had such faith. Or I, was, I really thought this was going to happen. Or I was expecting this to happen. And then look at how things fell apart. Look how things. I just want you to see this is the devil's tactic. When he knows something phenomenal is about to take place, he starts trying to distract. He's going to create as many problems as he possibly can to distract from what God's about to do. The spirit tear him. The boy fell on the ground. He wallowed, foaming. I'm telling you, this devil's putting on quite a show. Because he wants everybody focused on this devil. And he wants to stir up as much doubt as he can. That it's not going to happen. I know folks are listening online, but you should be here. You're probably not going to hear what I'm about to say. So just bear with me. You haven't lost the feed. It'll come. I'll be talking to you again in just a minute. I'm just going to say something to those that are here. Say, devil, I don't care what you tried to do. Jesus was not affected by any of this show. The theatrics that were going on there did not dampen the Lord's spirits. He didn't step back and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I wasn't expecting it to get this bad. I wasn't expecting it to look like this. It didn't phase him. And none of this should phase us. Oh, let's read on. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, now, now look, the man said, this has been going on for a long time, Jesus. I've, I've watched this happen time after time after time. It just keeps going on. I just can't seem to change it. Am I talking to anybody? So now, because of what's just happened, the devil's reminding this father of all the times in the past that he's had to endure this very same thing. How many times in the past have you had to see the very same thing and nothing changed? Well, the devil's doing his best to cloud this father's mind and convince him the way it's always been is the way it will always be. It's not going to change. But the man cries out, Lord, if you can do anything, 
if you can do anything, please have compassion on us and help us. If there's anything at all that you can do, please do it. Now notice, the man uses if. If you, Lord, can. If you can. I'm going to say if you can. This is what the man says to Jesus. If you can. If you can. Have compassion and help us. How does Jesus respond? When the man says to Jesus, if you can. Jesus said unto him. Jesus said to him. If thou canst believe. If you can. Jesus turned it right around. And said, it's not about what I can do. It's about what you can believe me to do. If you can believe, what? All things are all th- possible to right him We're right back to that again, that aren't we? If you can believe, all things are possible. If you can believe, then all things are possible. Listen to me. Jesus is telling this father, I don't care what you're seeing right now. I don't care what you've seen since he was a child. I don't care what has gone on or what is going on. There's only one thing that I'm looking for. If you can believe it, I can fix this situation right now. If you can believe it, I can turn this around right now. But it's up to you. It's not about if I can. It's about if you can. Oh, praise God. Praise God. So principle number one is that God expects us to have faith. Number two is that all things are possible with God. Number three is that they are possible only if. You believe. It's contingent on your faith. You got to believe that God can do it. That's why I'm taking the time to do what I'm doing today because I want us to walk out of this place. And if it takes me more than one week to get us there, I don't care how long it takes, but somehow we got to get our faith above where it is right now. Somehow we got to get beyond whether or not God's going to do it for us and say, You can do it for me. 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 If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And then what happens? And straightway the father of the child cried out. The man cried out. And said with tears, tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine oh, unbelief. Oh, God, listen, I, I want to tell you, church, this is what I feel right now. I feel like for some of you, I know you're struggling with your faith. And I know you love to hear these stories, but you're struggling with your faith as to whether God will do it for you. Why don't you take the same tactic this man took? He didn't deny it. He didn't, he didn't say, oh, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. He just said, Lord, I do believe. Look, the fact that he brought him to the Lord says he believed. He'd already taken it to the disciples. The disciples couldn't do it. But he still brought him again. There had to be some faith there or he wouldn't have kept coming back. But yet he recognized, I am struggling right now. So this is the way he said it. Lord, I do believe. I just want you to help my unbelief. 
I just want you to do something about this little bit of doubt that keeps creeping up. I'm here to tell somebody right now, if you'll reach out to God in the same manner, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I'm going to tell you, God's going to reach right through all that unbelief. Oh, I feel this. Oh, I feel this, I feel this. Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief, help my unbelief. I believe that's where many of you are today. I believe that's why God put this on my heart. Many of you are at that very place. You know he can. You know he can. You have no doubt that he can, but the doubt is, will he, will he, will he? And I'm telling you, just be honest with God. Just be honest with God. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Let me show you what he did for the man when he said that. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't say, well, you know good for nothing. Are you calling me a liar? He said, Lord, help my unbelief. And what's the very next thing? Read. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb. Wait, he did not rebuke the father. He didn't say anything to the father. He did not condemn the father for not having enough faith. He just turned around and rebuked the spirit. And he said, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge, I charge thee, thee come out of come him, out of him and, and enter no, and more, enter into no him. more into him. Now I'm telling you, this is a unique rebuke that Jesus gave. Because he didn't just tell these devils to get out. He said, I'm not giving you permission to ever go back in again. You're not just being evicted. You're being permanently evicted. There's no hope of you coming back to this boy. You're going to have to find somebody else to torment. But you're not coming back to this one. Are you hearing me? He didn't do that. You find me another place where he said that to the demons when he cast them out. But he did it for a father who was just transparent enough to admit, I do have some faith. Saints, let me tell you, I don't know if I'm conveying this properly to you today. Our problem is often that we are so focused on the fact that we struggle with our faith that we overlook the fact that we do have some faith. We are so focused on our unbelief 
that we ignore our belief. Are you understanding what I'm telling you? Here's a man that he admitted he had unbelief. But he also admitted he had some faith. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for somebody that will say, Lord, I do believe. Quit saying, Lord, I, I want to believe. Lord, I want to believe. I'm trying to believe. No, 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 no. You do believe. You may not have a lot of faith, but you got faith. And if you've got faith, why don't you confess that faith? Yeah, confess your unbelief, but confess your faith as well. Let God know, I do believe. Look, look, let's go back to our text. Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 29. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind man came to him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. Now, 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 now. look at this. Why is he asking? Why is he asking? Would they have followed him? Would they have come into the house if they didn't believe it? I'm telling you there is a power in us saying it. I started with that statement. I want to stress it to you. As we get to this juncture, and I'm not nearly finished in these precepts on faith, these elements of faith. I, I'm not nearly finished, but I want to stress this to you. We get so hung up on what we don't believe or what we want to believe but can't that the devil doesn't even allow us to see you know what? I wouldn't be coming down there if I didn't have some faith. If I had no faith at all, I'd never ask for the preacher to anoint me with oil. If I had no faith at all, I wouldn't be sitting on the pew this morning. If I had no faith at all, I wouldn't ask God for anything. I do have faith. Come on, somebody. Somebody here still not quite getting this. It's not quite getting through the way it needs to get through this morning. You need to realize, I understand there's unbelief you're battling. God understands there's unbelief you're battling. But let's forget about the unbelief for just a moment and realize that somewhere in there, there's also some faith. And let's dwell on that faith for just a moment. And if you're going to present your unbelief to God, don't do it without balancing it out with the fact that, God, I know I do have some doubts, but I want you to know I also have some faith. Right. Yes, sir. Honor the faith that I've got. Honor the faith that I've got. Oh, I Honor the faith that I've got. Jesus said, do you believe? 
And notice he didn't even ask, do you believe that I am willing to do it for you? He just asked them, do you believe I'm able to do this? And I don't know. This is, this is my opinion, my conjecture. But Brother Hilton, it's very possible that the reason Jesus is questioning these guys is because he knows that they're sitting there thinking, I, I just, who are we? He's done it for others. But why would he take the time for us? What do we have to offer? He's got more important people to take care of. Isn't it possible that in their mind they're struggling with the very issue that some of you are struggling with? That they're sitting there thinking, if he would just do it for us. But I just don't see why he would do it for us. And so the question that he asks is not, do you believe I'm willing to do it for you? The question is, do you believe I'm able to do it? And they answered, Yea, Lord. Yea, Lord. And so what did he say? Then touched he their eyes, then touched saying, he their eyes saying, According to your faith, oh, I love this. be it unto you. Not in spite of your doubt. And I just kind of think they had some. I don't think Jesus would have been pressing the point if there hadn't been some doubt there. But he wanted them to know. I'm not looking at your doubt. I wanted you to confess your faith. And when you confess your faith, he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith. I'm not condemning your doubt. I am commending your faith. And your eyes are about to open. Saint of God, hear this preacher today. I'm telling you, the devil wants to keep us down and out because he wants us focused on all the doubts that run through our mind. He wants us feeling ashamed and embarrassed and guilty. He wants us to have it in our heads that God would never do it for us. But I'm telling you, what God's looking for is for somebody to reach out and say, God, you know, you know. You know. No reason to hide it from you. You know I've got some unbelief. But God, there's something else you also know. I do have some faith. Would you just look at my faith and according to my faith, let it happen. I think somebody ought to reach out to the Lord right here, right now. I'm not going to try to go any farther. I didn't, get, I, I didn't get through very many of these principles. But I don't care. I'm telling you today, God is looking for somebody 
to just say, Lord, I do believe. I really do believe. I really do believe. I really do believe. I believe. I know I've got some doubts. I know I struggle. But I also know down deep inside somewhere there is some faith. And God, I'm asking you, look at this faith. It may not be much, but it doesn't require much. Just look at the faith that is there and act according to my faith. Come on, saints, let's reach out. Let's reach out. Let's reach out. Let's reach out.